0: Hey everybody, Jeremy Markovich here. Two quick notes before we get going. First, this podcast has a new home. It's now part of the North Carolina Rabbit Hole, which you can find at ncrabbithole.com. There you can check out previous episodes of Away Message, you can find any new episodes that we're putting out, and if you like this podcast, I think, no guarantees, but I think you will like my weekly newsletter. It is about weird North Carolina stuff comes out every thursday it is free if you want it to be and you can sign up at ncrabbithole.com second this episode was produced during my time at our state magazine now i happen to think that most of it still holds up but some of the promo codes and websites that i mention may no longer work okay here's the show House will
1: come to order. Members will take their seats. Visitors will retire from the chamber. The...
0: On March 6, 2019, on the floor of the North Carolina House of Representatives, something happened that's not uncommon at all, but still feels... kind of weird. The question for the
1: House is the passage of House Bill 30 on its second reading. Those in favor will vote aye. Those opposed will vote no. The clerk will open the vote.
0: Picture this. The chamber is full. Lawmakers have about 15 seconds to push a button on their desk, the green one to vote yes, the red one to vote no. There are 62 Republicans and 54 Democrats on the House floor. But when it came to this vote, those numbers did not matter. Party affiliation did not matter because when the voting was closed, it's a close vote. Clerk, lock machine, record the vote. 116 have voted in the affirmative; none in the negative. Let me repeat that: the vote was 116 to zero. In an age where nobody seems to be able to compromise or get along, lawmakers in North Carolina got together and voted to pass a bill unanimously. Really? And so, what was this magical piece of legislation that literally nobody could find a reason to vote against?
2: thirty to be entitled an act to adopt ice cream as the official state frozen treat.
0: Yeah, it was a bill about ice cream. I was interested in this particular political moment for two reasons. One, I kind of have this thing for state symbols. Like, they're sort of weird and bizarre and boring and fascinating all at once. For example, North Carolina's official state rock is granite. You know, it's it's granite. On the other hand, North Carolina has an official state marsupial, which, aside from making this sound when it's cornered, it's also named the virginia opossum which is you know kind of a weird name for north carolina's state marsupial anyway my weird fascination with state symbols that's thing one thing two is lawmakers seem to be introducing a lot of bills to declare new state symbols in just the first few weeks of the 2019 session legislators introduced a bill about a particular series of bird
2: house bill 39 adopt the osprey as state raptor
0: there was another bill that was sort of a two for one.
2: House bill 394.
0: Dealing with both Moravian cookies and the USS North Carolina.
2: Officials cookie and chip.
0: And then there was that ice cream bill that passed unanimously, which come on, unless you're lactose intolerant or you ride or die with frozen yogurt, how could you vote against ice cream? That one felt easy. In fact, it felt a little too easy. And it left me with a lot of questions, like, where do these state symbols come from? Why do we have so many? And who would actually vote against one? Not too long ago, I went out to Raleigh to talk to some current and former state lawmakers about this, starting with Senator Jeff Jackson of Charlotte. And I asked him, straight up, What's the deal with all of these state symbols? State symbols? What do you mean? Like the states, like the plot hound or the cardinal or that sort of thing, like the you know the, the official something of North Carolina. Okay, I got one for you. Yeah. So my predecessor Dan Claudefelter, got tired of a particular legislator always filing new state symbols, so he fired a bill, filed a bill to make that legislator the state legislator. And it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Richard Stevens. Oh, there you go. You know more about the story than I do. Yeah, I'm going to talk to him next. Oh, good. <laughs> you know, I always wondered if it was an apocryphal story. Now, as it turns out, Stevens did not try to create a bunch of new state symbols. In fact, he did pretty much the exact opposite of that.
2: Every single state symbol that came up, I voted against.
0: I looked it up there was a bill to make the Venus flytrap the official carnivorous plant of North Carolina. Stevens voted no. He voted against the official state herring festival. He voted against the Southern Appalachian brook trout. He voted against clogging. And this gets even stranger when you realize that Stevens really likes a lot of state symbols.
2: We have a cardinal calendar in our house every year on purpose, because it's the state bird. you know. And the dogwood is a gorgeous tree. Uh, Rooms all across the state in the springtime. It's a beautiful plant, very representative of North Carolina, the longleaf pine. Here's the land of the longleaf pine, the summer land where the sun doth shine. The longleaf pine is, of course, one of our great symbols.
0: The man knows his state symbols. So why in the world did he spend his entire time in the state Senate trying to stop them? I figured that state symbols would be one of the easier things that politicians had to deal with. But it turns out, trying to make something into the official something of North Carolina can be a lot more complicated than you'd expect. And so today, we are taking a very close look at state symbols. Things that are supposed to mean something. It's just that sometimes, they don't mean what they're supposed to. From Our State Magazine, this is A Way Message. I'm Jeremy Markovich. So, technically, the first state symbol was the state flag we use today, which was adopted in 1885. A few years later, in 1893, we got the state motto, Esse Quam Videri, Latin for to be rather than to seem. And then, it's 34 years before we get another official state symbol, the state song. It's called the Old North State. Pretty low-key, right? That comes in 1927. And then we have to wait until 1941 before we get another symbol, the state flower. Why the flower? Because people were literally demanding it. Now, consider this. The world is at war. North Carolina is going through some major changes. And this very magazine was getting five to six letters every week from people saying, why don't we have a state flower? When are we going to get a state flower? So lawmakers came up with one the Flame Azalea. It's got a pretty strong name, brilliant orange flowers. They're very vibrant plants. The Senate said no. Two weeks later, lawmakers voted for the dogwood instead, and so the dogwood is now our state flower. Next came the state bird. Now, back in 1933, the state legislature actually passed a resolution that named the Carolina Chickadee as the official state bird. But a week later, lawmakers repealed that resolution after they found out that the chickadee's nickname is the Tom-Tit, and they were worried that North Carolina might become known as the tomtit state. 10 years later, after a statewide contest, lawmakers make the Cardinal the state bird. And then there's the story of the state shell. A legislator from the coast introduced a bill to make the Scotch Bonnet North Carolina's official shell And to try and swing lawmakers to his side, he promised a scotch bonnet shell to any of the 170 lawmakers who supported him. The problem was, when he went out to go find the shells, he could only find two. That led a senator from Iredell County to say that people, quote, don't want to spend their time horsing around for something that's extinct. Which, you know, it wasn't extinct, but that's beside the point. His point was to suggest that the chicken eggshell should be the state shell. That idea went nowhere. Eventually, though, the bill's co-sponsors found enough scotch bonnets, and in 1965, it became our state's official shell. Today, there are more than 50 state symbols in North Carolina, and they seem to be coming at a breakneck pace. In fact, in 2013 alone, lawmakers adopted seven new state symbols, the state fossil, frog, salamander, marsupial, folk art, art medium, and the state peanut festival. If that seems like a lot to you, You and Richard Stevens are going to be kindred spirits.
2: We've got enough symbols for our state. It's confusing. Kids can't learn all this.
0: Stevens has been out of the state Senate for seven years now. During his time in office, he focused on education and the budget. He had respect. In fact, during the time Democrats were in control of the Senate, Stevens was one of the few Republicans that was put in charge of a committee. And on a personal note, he loves Christmas. And his favorite Christmas tree is the Fraser fir. And in 2005, while Stevens was in office, wouldn't you know it, a bill came up to make the Fraser fir the official state Christmas tree of North Carolina.
2: We've had a Fraser fir at our home as long as I can remember growing up to this day. Great tree. Wonderful uh, product of North Carolina. I didn't think we needed another symbol, so I voted against it.
0: So just to confirm, you are not the Grinch by voting against the Christmas tree.
2: Christmas tree or the shag dance or the... The whatever festival, of course not. Those are important elements of North Carolina life.
0: During his 10 years in the Senate, 21 new entries were added to the list of official North Carolina state symbols. Stevens voted for none of them, which led to awkward conversations.
2: Now, I'd always go to the sponsor and say, Walter Dalton, who later became a uh, Lieutenant Governor. I'd say, Walter, you're my friend. I like the shag, you used to do that in high school and college and you want to make it the state dance. But I don't think we need a state dance. And so I'm just, uh, you know, I want to vote against that.
0: Stevens had that same conversation over and over about butterflies, stock car racing, the Albemarle Potato Festival. Now, one or two of them he genuinely didn't like.
2: There was one that really got my goat. It was uh, the Carolina lily.
0: Stevens is like, how can it be the official state wildflower if it's only found in a few counties?
2: I thought, yeah, you know, why? (laughs) Why?
0: (laughs) Stevens lost that fight. In fact, he lost almost all of those fights.
2: Often it was 49 to 1.
0: But that never stopped him from voting no. Except once. When a bill came up to make Seagrove the official state birthplace of traditional pottery, the sponsor was a friend of Stevens named Jerry Tillman.
2: was a hard guy to say no to because he's a pretty effective, you know, summoner of votes. And he came and put that big wrong And He said, I know you vote against these things. He said, but pottery is very important to where I, where I live. And I've got a you know, re-election coming up, and I want to tell people I support pottery big time. And I said, Jerry, i tell you what. Um, I will tell you that I will not vote against it. And he went away thinking I was going to vote for it, which I didn't say. So I'm not going to vote against it. So when the vote came up, I just decided it might be a good time to go to the bathroom right now.
0: So we know what Stevens did, but why did he do it? Why did he decide that he would never vote yes on any state symbol? Well, for that, you have to go back to Stevens' first campaign for Senate.
2: So I was not been to politics before. I went to my very, very first campaign event when I first was running for the Senate uh, in 2000. I go and there's, a I don't know, 25, 30 citizens and they had several things on their mind.
0: And one of the things that was on their mind was actually a debate in the General Assembly over a state symbol, a debate that was actually making headlines in newspapers across the state.
2: So a constituent-to-be in the audience said, well, what do you think about all that? And I just went off on it. Those people are just wasting our time and money and resources. They shouldn't be debating that. They should be dealing with education. They should be dealing with transportation. They should be dealing with jobs. They should be dealing with economic development, not wasting their time on all these state symbol things. We've got enough state symbols. We got the cardinal, we got the pine tree, we got the gray squirrel, you know, we have got all these plot hounds. And we don't need any more state symbols. And they said, well, what would you do if you are elected? And I said, I promise you tonight that if I'm elected to the state senate, I will never vote for one of those symbols. Now, I learned that night, you don't make those kind of promises.
3: <laughs>
2: but 10 years in office, I never violated that promise.
0: I'm, I'm curious, too, as to when you're in this room saying, I will never vote for a state symbol, if there was uproarious applause and and, and <laughs> brought the people to their feet.
2: i go that far. <laughs> it, seemed, it seemed to go over well in that yeah. crowd. Now, I'll be
0: honest, that sounds like the weakest campaign promise I've ever heard. But then Stevens told me what the debate was about
2: there was a difference of opinion about whether the state berry if we need one of those should be the strawberry or the blueberry
0: seriously that was the debate and after hearing that i'm like okay i'm still not on team stevens here but i sort of get it that seems like a silly thing to have a debate on unless of course you talk to the woman who started the debate in the first place and she is also not really on team stevens
4: well, but see, I, I understand when he made that statement before his, before his constituents, he has to stick to that. He, I ain't making him any strawberry shortcake.
0: <laughs> the great debate over fruit and the development that led a fourth grade class to ask the governor to veto their own bill. That part of the story when we come back. This is a way message. I'm Jeremy Markovich. So far, we've talked to a man who tried, without much success, to keep North Carolina from creating new state symbols. In fact, here is a piece of trivia for you: North Carolina lawmakers have passed 51 bills declaring state symbols. Two thirds of them have been passed in the last 20 years alone. Which might make you wonder how exactly does this process work? Hey. Hello, Hello. I'm Jeremy. Hi. Meet you. Nice to meet you. For those answers, I found the woman who actually writes the bills. How long have you worked here?
4: I've been here since 1987.
0: And how many state symbols do you think you have crafted the bills for in that time?
4: Maybe 30?
0: Wow. This is Myra Terrain, a bill drafter who works for the General Assembly. When someone wants a new state symbol, eventually they'll have to talk to Myra. Do you remember what the first state symbol was that you worked on?
4: I want to say it was the state dog. Let's look back. Yeah, I think it was the plot hound. That's 1989. They brought a plot hound over so that members could see what the plot hound actually looked like. Do you like plot hounds? I'm not much of a dog person.
1: (laughs)
0: Anyway, the way that it works is some legislator comes and talks to Myra. They say, hey, I want to make such and such the official state symbol of whatever. And here are a bunch of reasons why. And then Myra takes that and makes an official bill out of it. Something that says, whereas, something, something. Like, here's one from an actual bill. Whereas the megalodon shark may have reached over 40 feet in length and weighed up to 100 tons. And then at the bottom it says the fossilized teeth of the megalodon shark is adopted as the official fossil of the state of North Carolina. And if that bill passes the House and the Senate and the governor doesn't veto it, boom, you got yourself a brand new state symbol. Now, in this case, it's proof that if you're a devoted fan of frightening gargantuan sharks that have been extinct for 2.6 million years, dreams really do come true. Where are these ideas, these potential state symbols typically coming from?
4: Well, a lot of them come from schoolchildren
0: specifically fourth graders in North Carolina. That is the grade. When you get a heavy dose of North Carolina civics, you learn the state symbol. You learn how a bill becomes law. And it is the perfect moment for a state lawmaker to come in and visit the classroom
5: and actually I was in church one Sunday and saw Carolyn Russell, who was our representative at the time. And I talked to her, I said, would you be interested in coming and talking to my classes? And she said, sure, I'd love to. In
0: 2001, Manning Musgrave was a fourth grade teacher at Tommy's Road elementary school in Goldsboro
5: at that time the sweet potato had was a symbol that was created by a group of students so of course when my students found that out there one of the questions they asked Miss Russell when she came was if we sponsor a bill would you you know if we come up with an idea for a bill would you sponsor it?" and she said I'd be glad to so then we you know we talked about what symbols we didn't have and And we decided that we didn't have, I mean, we saw that we didn't have a, quote, state fruit. So that's when we went to work. And I thought, you know
4: what, why not?
0: This is Carolyn Russell, the state representative. She's retired now.
4: I'm just an old hen, darling, sitting up here roosting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But back in 2001, she thought the state fruit idea was really, really cute.
4: I mean, I've seen stupid bills introduced before. This was a whole lot better than some of them. And um, I said... Sure, you can. And this is, and how is it done? And it started from there.
0: And so these students, about 60 of them in all, start doing their research. They all go out and ask 10 people, what should be the state fruit? The blueberry, the strawberry, or the apple?
5: They had to collect that data and come back and then put it all together. So that's a big project. And right.
0: Then they take all that information and put it to a vote. The strawberry had the most votes. And Russell says, okay, I'll introduce the bill to make these strawberry the state fruit.
4: I think they would have found a way to cut my my head off my neck if I hadn't found a way to do it. Yes, they were really excited about it. And I thought that was so neat. And that's
0: when the lobbying began.
3: I remember not only were we writing letters to members of the General Assembly, I think we did creative things like poems and um, we might have sent like strawberry flavored candy or something.
0: That's Emily Northington, who was a fourth grader in Mrs. Musgraves' class.
3: One day, I remember in particular, um, everyone asked us to wear red to school, and we <laughs> we formed a strawberry, like a human strawberry, and someone was the stem. Someone wore green,
5: and they were just loving it. They were, you know, they were so excited to get letters back saying congratulations for what you're trying to do, I'm proud of you.
0: And all of this lobbying, it works.
4: It passed the House. Yeah. And they thought, oh, that was wonderful. <laughs> Till it hit the Senate.
5: <laughs> we we just could have never predicted the turn that it took. I mean, because we had planned a field trip in the, the end of their fourth grade year so that they could... Being, be there when it was signed that it was the official
0: state fruit. But that doesn't happen because the bill goes to the Senate and it stalls. It sits in committee for almost five months. And that gives another fourth grade class an opening. Out on the Outer Banks, some students in Manio say, hey, wait, we think the scupperdon grape should be the official state fruit. It's got a lot of history here. The oldest grapevine in North America is here in Manio." And it just so happens that the state senator from Anio was actually the president pro tem, the most powerful man in the chamber of the time. And so what happens? Well, all of a sudden, as if by magic, the Senate comes up with a new version of the bill. And in that bill, the scuppernong is the state fruit, not the strawberry. And that's not all.
4: And you can quote me on what I'm saying because it's all I know. I think, again, you know, Blayton County is a big blueberry grower, Uh, And there are a lot of blueberries grown down there. It's a fine fruit. But I think what happened was the bill deadline passed. That you can't put bills forth anymore. And I think somebody called John Carr, who was a Democrat, friend of mine, probably said, John, you know, we needs to be the blueberry. John probably said, look, (laughs) I can't introduce a bill now. Bill, it's all passed. But what you can do is amend a bill, and that's what they did to it.
0: And so the strawberry goes from being the state berry to being the state red berry, and the blueberry ends up being, wait for it, the state blueberry. And that bill passes in the Senate. What, what did you think about the headlines that were coming out about it at, at the time? That you know, there, it seemed like a bunch of newspapers and.
4: and I, I don't remember them very much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I th- what
4: were they? Do you remember?
0: Well, there was something like, oh, there's this v- debate over the state berry. And I think there was oh, a, yeah. you know, there's a, students are, they're seeing how the juice is squeezed. I mean, there was a lot of puns. I know. Well, you know, I,
4: whatever. The press writes about what the press writes.
0: So you have two competing bills. The House bill names the strawberry as the state fruit, the Senate names it the state red berry and throws two other official fruits in there for good measure. And in the meantime, Mrs. Musgrave has to gather up all those students, they're now in fifth grade, and tell them what's going on.
5: The adults understood the politics behind what was going on.
0: The students didn't. They all get together in the school library, and Mrs. Musgrave says, okay, it looks like the strawberry is no longer going to be the state fruit. It's going to have to share the spotlight with two other fruits. His boys
5: are like, we're not going to let this happen, and then they're, you know... I can just remember one girl, one blinded little girl in the back who was just crying like this is seriously happening. You know, she just couldn't believe it was happening.
0: And so she asked the students to vote. What do you want Representative Russell to do? Do you want her to support the new three fruit bill or do you want her to fight for the strawberry only version?
4: You you ever heard the phrase doubling down? Mm -hmm. (laughs) They double
0: down. The vote is 44 to three. The choice is clear, the students want their bill, they do not want to compromise. And so Russell says, okay, I'll try to stop it. They really,
4: by George, we need this. And I mean, they were just, they were really adorable. You, I mean, you, you could not have stood before those children and said, look, I'm sorry, this ain't going anywhere, kids, and blah, 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 and walked out. No, you'd have gone to hell straight away. <laughs>
0: It's too late to stop it. The bill goes to a conference committee to try and figure out what to do. And in that committee, the three fruit bill is approved and heads to the governor's desk. And so the students try one last thing. They write the governor and they say, this bill, this thing we started, kill it. Veto the bill. Did you ever hear anything back from the governor?
5: A let- We got a letter. It seemed like we got a letter back from one of his, um, from someone in the office. You know, and it was a very positive thank you for your interest and thank you for being involved in state government. You know, it was a very positive letter, but it was a.
0: Like a form gonna,
5: letter. Right, it was a form letter.
0: On December 16th, 2001, Governor Mike Easley signs it into law. And that is how North Carolina got a state fruit, a state red berry, and a state blue berry.
4: That's the way sausage is made, dear.
0: You know, you had this kind of feel good story of these fourth graders who want to introduce the state fruit. And then everybody's like, well, you know, while we're at it, I'm gonna throw right. in what I think should be the the, the, the the right barrier. You know, I I, mean, I think this hung... Give
4: me a break. We ain't talking nuclear war with this bill, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that we're having a little bit of fun with it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. When I first started looking into this, I had a preconceived notion of this story. I could sort of see where Richard Stevens was coming from. You could point to this and say, Ha, these lawmakers couldn't even come to an agreement on what the state barrier could be. And then they had to pick two berries? That's ridiculous. Politics is broken.
5: I mean, because I think it was some, you know, it was some good publicity for Goldsboro. It was something positive that these students were doing, then all of a sudden, wham.
0: Was there that just this general sense at the time when people were like, uh, politics?
5: <laughs> I mean, whoever thought that you'd have a political difference between a fruit, but anyway.
0: <laughs> but with the benefit of hindsight, 18 years of hindsight, I think I see what Carolyn Russell is talking about. The real story is that this redberry-blueberry thing is not a big deal. This is just what happens on every issue. In politics, you fight for what you believe in, but you don't always get what you want.
3: I actually think about it not every day. I've thought about it a good amount over the past years.
0: Emily Northington, who was nine and all this went down, is now in her late 20s working in Raleigh. She was upset, but now she gets it.
3: I remember being a little frustrated, but I think that's because I thought when we came up with the idea that it would just work out. Maybe that's a little fourth grade naive mind of mine, but it was certainly a first real exposure into politics and, and sort of how compromises are important. And that, I mean, that's what ended up happening.
0: And if you think about it that way, that class project was a huge success. The students got involved. They helped introduce a bill to make the strawberry into an official state symbol. And that is exactly what happened. And along the way, they learned something that right now seems easy to forget. Well, maybe we should look at the, at the other part to it, Jeremy.
4: The red berry and the blueberry, the red states, the blue states. If they can come together based on the efforts of a fourth grade class, when they're so, when they cared about it so much, I have a feeling that adults ought to be able to follow their
0: example. And sometimes they do, at least when it comes to ice cream. John from and Representative Torb, recognized you briefly to briefly
1: debate the bill. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, I will before it melts, but anyway, Ladies and gentlemen, a couple couple weeks ago, uh, I came across a group of fourth graders uh, from Gas and Day School, and this is their assignment for this year, was to create a bill to to celebrate uh, the state's frozen treat as ice cream. They have tracked this all the way through the process. They are listening even now. I'd appreciate a good, hearty vote for my friends, the fourth graders in Miss Connors' class at Gaston Day School. Question for the House. The passage of House Bill 30 on third reading. Those in favor say aye. Aye. Those Oppose, opposed, no. The ayes have it. House Bill 30, having passed its uh, third reading, is ordered sent to the Senate. For what purpose the gentleman from Gaston, Representative Torbett rise. For a point of personal privilege, Mr. Mr. Speaker. The gentleman recognized to speak to a point of personal privilege. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, had I done this prior to the vote, I could have been told or, or I guess committed uh, one of those people that come and see us, what are they called? Lobbyists. That's right. I could have been lobbying for, for this bill. But when you pass an ice cream bill, you get ice cream. Ice cream for everyone. There you go. That's it.
2: To Arkansas. I've been out to California, and I've heard about St. Paul. I've been a soldier down in Texas, and I've seen the Opry in Tennessee. And I've come to one conclusion, Carolina is the place I've got to be.
0: Away Message is the production of Our State Magazine, an employee-owned company that's been celebrating North Carolina for more than 85 years. You can get $5 off a year's subscription to the magazine. Just head over to OurState.com, click on subscribe, and use the promo code AWAY to get $5 off a year's subscription. It's our thank you for listening to the show. This episode was produced by me and James Michkowski. Elizabeth Hudson is our editor-in-chief. Special thanks this week to Jerry Cohen, as well as Lauren Horsch of NC Insider. Our website is away.ourstate.com. Our closing song is from North Carolina State Senator Charlie Albertson, the singing senator who, believe it or not, was on one of the committees that worked on the Red Berry blueberry Bill. On my mind. On my mind. And one more thing. Remember that story at the top about how a state senator actually filed a bill to make Richard Stevens a state symbol? That part is actually true.
2: Former senator, now utility commission member, Dan Claude Felter and a good friend, opposite party but good friend, introduced a bill one day declaring me as a state symbol. And he said, let's say you vote against that one. <laughs> and I said, Dan, if he gets to the floor, and I'm hoping it doesn't, you know I will. And, of course, never got to the floor. He just did it as a, as a sort of a joke thing. But, yeah, that was, that was the one I would have had to think about for a minute or two, <laughs> but not very long. Carolina is the place I've got
0: We'll be back with another episode of Away Message really soon. I'm Jeremy Markovich. Thanks for listening. Carolina
2: is the place
1: I've got